This is Daizen Shui X, the podcast, episode 129 for the week of May 18th, 2008. Welcome to Dies and Chewy X, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Dies and Chewy X. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. That's correct. Why did we randomly decide to go into wise sage master mode? I really don't know. Just one of those spur of the moment, I'm going to change my voice kind of things. I see. Because I said so. How's that for an answer? I don't take that when garbage. When Vegito EX says change your voice. Yes, master. Go. Hey, Mary. Hi. Mike. What's up? I'm uh, on a show with you. That's what's up. You're in a surprisingly good-looking mood. I'm a good-looking mood? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Coming off of what we just watched and what we're going to talk about this episode. Oh, (laughs) right. But let's uh, do this whole introduction thing and, you know, how the show usually intros and works and stuff. Your name is Mary. You come to us from a site called Temple of Trunks. I come from the planet Temple of Trunks. (laughs) (laughs) Very much a long-time Dragon Ball fan and all the additional cred that you can just go read and see about later. Sure, why not? All right. Let's say I have cred. And why why don't you introduce me then in the exact same way? Here's a guy who claims to have cred, but really you don't have to believe him if you don't want to. He's just very violent if I, you disagree. Um, I was going to say I'm violent. I was going to say I fake it really well. Yeah, yeah. If you're around, <laughs> I'm kind of destroying this, but if you just last long enough, that gives you credibility. Even if you don't actually know anything, just last for 10 years. That's all it takes. I don't think that quite holds true in some cases. Like, if we were to apply that to our president right now, say, oh, he's been here a year, so he's faking it really well. I'm you sorry. are only allowed to talk about the king of the dragon world. Oh, yes, Mr. Dog. King of the world is a dog and he's cool. Anyways, very strange tangent. So, yeah, you're Mike from Dyson Chewy X, the same name as this here podcast. That's correct, so I must be involved in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I'm the ringleader, as I like to say. That's the title I've given myself. I'm not CEO, I'm not founder, I'm ringleader. Mob boss. Mob boss? Mafia leader? I, I like where this is going. And the rest of us are your lackeys. Most right. notably missing. I said most notably again. Yeah, well, um, notably, notably missing. You notably didn't say missing. Most notably missing. Last most. Episode. He is most missed. The other he lackey. Is die missing. Oh my god! I hope he's not dead missing. <laughs> no, he's alive. I actually have not spoken with Julian at all this. I week. know he's alive. I saw him update on Facebook. <laughs> okay, then I see where his priorities lie. Can't be bothered. He added a kanji app. <laughs> That's so Julian. So we know he's alive and well, and maybe he has internet at home, but I haven't heard from him, so we're just doing the podcast without him. This is Daizen Shui X, the podcast, Dragon Ball, all that kind of stuff. And so, as it is a Dragon Ball podcast, we will talk about various Dragon Ball things, the whole enlightening, entertaining thing. Entertaining is maybe a stretch for our job and our purposes this episode. We're gonna have a little doozy, something I've been wanting to do for a really long time, but it's took a lot of like build up and preparation i don't know what the word is folks this week we are going to review the garlic jr saga oh my god (laughs) i don't know what the fuck that was i think i'm just letting out all my steam from having to sit through that (laughs) 
<laughs> You're looking at me funny. Let's move on. Okay. So that's what's up this episode. That's going to be our topic. In addition to the topic, we got news, releases, emails, all that stuff. Let's talk about some of our own little stuff going on. We mentioned Julian. I wanted to do a couple of follow-ups on last week's episode. As you will remember, Mary, last week we reviewed uh, something, whatever the name of that book was, uh, from Kokoro Books. It was this really awful guidebook. We did an episode last week. We reviewed it, tore it apart, etc. Before the episode went up, I checked Amazon. They had three left in stock. I checked yesterday. Amazon still had three left in stock. So yay, no one's bought anymore You've since done our episode. exactly what I wanted you to do, and that is not purchase this book. After we did that episode, actually before the episode came out, I was looking for the link to its Amazon entry because I wanted to you know, provide it in case anyone's actually interested. And I came across and remembered that there was another book put out called Dragon Ball, an Unauthorized Guide. A couple of people actually sent emails about this, like, oh, you probably want to check this one out as well. And I'd totally forgotten about it. And then I saw, I was like, oh, I should really get this. So I got it for a buck. Nice. Used Amazon. There were a couple for a penny, but I think those ones said, you know, really crappy condition. So I went for the decent condition one. Oh, man. 99 cents. A buck. Come on. Jeez, man. So this is your job, everyone. If you enjoyed our little tear apart of the Kokoro Books Guide, let us know if this is something you're interested in hearing about in the future. I'll probably do it regardless of what anyone says because it amuses me. But let me know if you enjoyed that episode. You want to hear more of that kind of stuff. Because we really enjoy, uh, I don't even know how to phrase it. Ripping assholes. We enjoy ripping (laughs) assholes, as Mary would say. Into things that deserve more assholes. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This is the episode of Mike giving me bad looks. I'm just striking out. I love it. Uh, I didn't do the other half of my research for this week. If you remember, last week I started, we talked about the article Taki USA, Hironobu Kageyama, how many songs he's done. I popped out a couple numbers, how many songs were in the show or series or whatever as recorded. I was going to count how many image songs he's been involved in to get a definitive answer of just how many Dragon Ball songs Hironobu Kageyama has done. Well, I forgot to do it. And so I've been busy. I have been busy. So uh, maybe I'll do that. You probably have already counted it yourself, and you're waiting there with your clipboard going, what number did Mike come up with? I must compare. But I didn't do it, so maybe I'll try to have that for next week. So if you're hoping for that, uh, and I don't know why you would be, it's kind of a silly thing, but it amuses me, because that's kind of a fan. I am talking funny. Mary, that appears to be it for the stuff. You got any stuff, things, etc.? No, I don't. Sorry. Alright, let's move on to the news. The only real news this week is basically burst limit stuff. And you had a little experience with it this evening. I did. As we noted quite a few days back, I think it was the very beginning of May, maybe a couple days in, um, the Xbox official site said that there was a demo of it available right then, and there wasn't. The demo went up, I believe it was yesterday as of this recording, which was Thursday. So the demo was up on Xbox, and I think it went up on PS3, uh, PlayStation Network later that day. So we're going to give a couple initial thoughts on it, that's kind of really all there is for news this week. First thing I noticed right away, vocal theme song in the oh demo. Oh my god! 
holy crap, for the first time, I think, ever in North America, we got the Japanese vocal opening in our Dragon Ball games. I'm thinking back. Uh, Final Bout, the biggest fight was removed with generic song. Budokai 1, Hedgehala was replaced with Rock the Dragon. Budokai 2 and 3, the theme songs are instrumental versions. And then Sparking, Sparking Neo, we get a power in Hedgehala replaced by different songs. And I can't remember what happened with Sparking Meteor. I think it may have actually been an instrumental of uh, Super Survivor. But this is the first time we get the vocal song. Hopefully that carries over to the retail product because that is just awesome. On the downside of the demo, it's dub only. But hey, I'll take the vocal opening and play the game. Whatever. I played the Goku versus Raditz fight. Mary, you played the only other available fight, which is Yamcha versus Saibaiman. Yes. I don't know how much I have to say about it. So you just did it a couple minutes ago. I'll let you give a couple thoughts on what you played and how you felt about it. Okay, well, the first thing I noticed right off the bat were, shockingly enough, the what I thought were crazy good visuals. Like, I've been so used to the, I don't know, the, the PS2 generation of video games that it's like, okay, you know, it's all right. Nice, I guess, key animations and things like that. But overall... Yeah, the Sparkling series kind of really bumped it up over the years. It really nice auras surrounding the characters. Yeah. Etc. But generally, it was like, wow, oh my god. And I wouldn't say that what I just played was, wow, oh my god, either, but it was definitely a step up, I thought. And it's interesting that I think this way because I remember from what I saw on previews online and stuff, I was just like, meh, whatever. But actually playing it with your own two hands and seeing it on the TV, and we have a standard TV, it's not even high def for us. I really liked it, especially with the motion blurs. I know you're all about motion blur. It's like, oh man. And it's weird because it's not like the show does that. No. So it's not like it's something I expect, and yet somehow, I think it works. I agree. And uh, uh, what else did I like? I just want to say, I think the game looks really nice when you're fighting in motion. When it gets to the close-ups, I don't think this visual style really holds up yeah. in close. I think it works really well from a distance on the fighting plane kind mm-hmm. of thing. But whatever, continue while I break. Um, I don't know. It was so short. It's like, what did I like? That's I true. liked... It is short. There's yeah. just the two fights in this demo available. I liked, and this is a big complaint of mine, which is why I don't play the DBZ games that much. I was confined to the ground, which meant I wasn't stuck flying everywhere, getting lost and not being able to track down people. Well, so I like that it was just really one-on-one, but I did not like how I kept getting interrupted every couple seconds. You don't like the drama pieces? No. Okay. It's like, come on, let me just finish. But I guess it's a new element. Right. So Burst Limit is, be- I can't say being developed because it's pretty much done at this point, it was developed by Dims, who did the Budokai series. 1, 2, 3, Shin Budokai, Shin Budokai 2 on a PS2, whatever all systems came out on. And then that was when Spike took over into the Sparking series. So now we have Dims kind of returning Turning. It feels very much like the Budokai series, kind of upgraded for the new generation, etc. So you're liking that you're on the plane, just kind of a 2D plane, more or less. You can get around a little bit. but I'm just worried about it being more of the same eventually. Like, I like what I see right now, but I'm worried. I'm How just much gonna- can there be? How much can there be of what? Variety, fighting styles, just everything in general. I want limits and I want differentiation. It's always been my thing. I want to be more confined, which sounds stupid. I know, it totally makes no sense. Like, you should be able to fly around and go crazy in a scene, but I prefer my boundaries. I like that because you're forced to be innovative on your own with your fighting style when you have constraints. When it's wide open, you can do whatever. You're just going to like, cheap and fly around. I'll just do whatever and blah blah blah. If you've been listening to the show for a while, I don't know. I, you kind of know how Mary and I feel about well, then again, games I'm not the, in general. I'm not the smartest DBZ gamer because I only pick it up for like 10 minutes. I'm like,
like, eh, done. But I, I think it's important to get those kind of opinions and feelings as the casual person, for lack of a better phrase. Pick it up. How do you feel about it? Do you, do you think you'll play Burst Limit at all a little bit when it comes out? I'll give it a shot. I mean, I'll play it if it's like what I played just now, although I wish I could skip over the uh, the speaking. And you're not going to be the person who goes through story mode and unlocks everything. You'll just probably pick it up and do versus. No, I don't like story modes. I, I watched the show. I don't need to see it again in I'm like 3D animation. We're kind of getting into almost review of the game. The game's actually out in three weeks, believe it or not. Holy it's cow. really strange to have like the A-list DBZ game of the year coming out so early. We've gotten so accustomed to the like October-November time frame for the big games every single year so it's weird that it's coming out so soon the only other thing I wanted to say is when I pre-ordered the game I think last week it's kind of a funny story maybe I'll kind of get into it Um, when I did my pre-order I asked about the t-shirt and the DVD and stuff and typical you know GameStop employees even the manager was there they're just kind of like uh, uh, I don't know maybe you'll get it when you come pick up the game they had no idea I don't, is there nothing in their computer system to tell them about this kind of stuff well, clearly no one else in town wants this game <laughs> so mary the reason we ended up at gamestop that night is because you me and andrew were out we were at fridays having dinner andrew and i were drinking beer and when andrew and i drink beer we decide let's go buy video games did you guys actually get anything that day i don't think we actually left the store with anything no i pre-ordered burst limit That's okay that doesn't count it. you didn't leave with a tangible item no we were very close to picking up lots of stuff but we're kind of like you were uh, too you were too buzzed to make we a wise purchase go see that night um oh, speed, speed racer. racer we were getting ready to watch a movie so lesson is don't drink and go buy maybe the lesson is drink and go friends buy friends don't games. let friends drink and buy bad video games no, the, the lesson the moral here is that when you drink you don't actually buy the video games when i go to the store normally i end up buying something so i have to have you wasted all the time so you don't make these frivolous yes, purchases exactly lesson of the day X here to help you in your purchasing decisions and then after that we'll have like you know the, the sobering up episode like the intervention and then i'll be like oh man but the game is only two bucks. I could have had it. Mike, here, have this beer. You'll feel better. All right. We're going to stop talking about beer and talk about garlic instead. So we are here to review and discuss the Garlic Jr. Saga. We'll get to what that is. I guess right now we should explain what it is. Yeah, why not? So after the end of the Namek stuff, all the Frieza stuff, everyone's brought back to life. Goku's still off in space somewhere, etc. So the anime is starting to get a little too close to the manga. And Dragon Ball's the kind of show where they're following the manga very, very closely. Unlike something... Mary, explain how Sailor Moon kind of worked with the manga versus the TV show. They were kind of similar in time frame too, but not as closely as Dragon Ball. They really didn't follow the manga that much. They really took a lot of liberties. It was almost like the anime inspired by the manga because it was just that different. I think some of the only moments where it really kind of stayed close to the uh, manga was maybe like the stuff in S. But overall, yeah. it wasn't too tied to the manga. And I'd say overall, the Sailor Moon anime almost feels like entirely filler just because it is so different. How about Rama? I'm thinking Sailor Moon and Rama, they kind of do the thing where every once in a while an episode would actually be based on a chapter. Or two yeah, of like the, the first season, the first two seasons maybe of Rama are fairly faithful to the original. And then it just kind of deviates with occasionally be like, oh, okay, here's a couple chapters from the right. manga that will animate. And then it'd have some pretty terrible singular episodes and then it's almost exclusively that gotcha so what what i guess we're getting at is that as opposed to something like that dragon ball actually followed the manga essentially panel for panel with filler material 
here and there, kind of padding out scenes, padding out episodes, etc. It's the series' downfall. But however, in the Dragon Ball Z TV series, there are two sagas that in and of themselves do not exist in the manga at all. And these are the Garlic Jr. Saga and the Anuyo Ichibudokai, the Afterlife Tournament, which takes place uh, right after the Cell Game. Neither of these stories are in the manga, so they're kind of like their own self-contained filler arcs, for lack of a better phrase. We are going to review the Garlic Jr. Saga. It had uh, a lot of fun circumstances. Like I was saying, the anime is getting too close to the manga. They need some more time. They're going to throw in a bunch of filler episodes because they don't want to have something like Kenshin where it caught up. And after Kyoto, they're just like, um, let's do entirely new stories and drive the show into the ground so no one cares anymore. Luckily, Dragon Ball didn't have that fate unless you consider GT that fate. So we're going to review our thoughts on it. We're not going to tell the actual story of it because you can just watch it yourself if you dare. But let's get some background from ourselves on the saga and what we know about it, what we've seen. Mary, I'll let you go first. Tell me, have you seen this before? Whatever you want to say about that. Well, I did see it before once. Unfortunately, it was in English back when this was airing, I believe for the first time on Toonami's Rising Sun block on Saturday mornings. Did you watch it on TV first? Did you get the tapes? I watched it on TV first. only buy the one tape for the Trunks thing? I... Commercial at I the I think end. I did buy it only for the Trunks promo. <laughs> I wouldn't hilarious. willingly buy that stuff, but... but- so you watched it on Rising Sun? Yeah. And Rising Sun, was that like the Saturday morning? Yeah, yeah, it was Saturday mornings, which I liked. It was something different. Yeah, that was back when, you know, Cartoon Network cared about anime and mm-hmm. wanted to promote it and stuff. And yeah, I hadn't seen it fan sub, so I was going into this blind. So you've only watched it dubbed, and you only watched it on the Rising Sun, which is probably like 2000-ish. Maybe. Because season three started in September 99, so by that point, it probably would have crossed over into 2000. Mm-hmm. So we're talking years here. It's been since I last saw it. Gotcha. And can I say something? You can say something. The you have reason, a microphone. Yeah, I know. You. Well, you can edit me out, so I don't <laughs> know. I could say something. I have all the power. I could say something, and it might not matter, because you'll just get rid of me. Um, <laughs> I think the reason why we're also not giving a synopsis of these episodes is because I already forgot what happened. <laughs> and we just watched it. Very true. Uh, my background on this is I did watch it in Japanese, fan-subbed. I think probably 98 99, so a little bit before when you saw it, I have not watched it since at all, no matter what language. My kind of story on this was, oh, I could barely sit through it in Japanese. Why the hell would I watch it in English? You know? So we watched through it again. We, of course, we watch it in Japanese. The only way we're going to watch this. So let us get into our thoughts, like nearly 10 years later, really, of watching the Garlic Jr. saga. How much has our fandom changed in 10 years? That's what's really astonishing to me. You mean as a whole or our personal fandom? And both. It's kind of astonishing that like these episodes we haven't watched and so much has changed in that time. Well, I think watching it now, I'd be far less gung-ho about it because I'm not like, oh my God, everything Dragon Ball is awesome. Ooh, So I'm going to be far more critical of it. Absolutely. I mean, and we all know it's sucky anyway. And you have to keep that in mind. Like, we were already against it from the get-go, from our old memories. And we're much more critical of anime fans or just media in general. So you kind of get that going. But we still love the series, and we still have that love of Dragon Ball in us. Yeah, and it's not like we're going to find fault with every little thing about this arc. There were a couple things that we liked. 
Right, and we'll get to all of that. So I kind of have a couple little sections. You know how I like to break down discussions. I've got the meta, which is you know, like how else do you describe the meta? The story, questions, and miscellaneous. So let us get to the meta. So this was episodes 108 to 116. You might include 117, which was kind of a standalone episode. And then 118 was also a kind of standalone that turned into the Trunks episodes and Freezer returning. This aired September to November 1991, and something I want to look up, get some actual dates, but our internet is down, god damn it. I was trying to figure out where the manga was around that time. It looked like the Tankobone that had the trunk stuff in it came out in very late 1991, so those chapters would have been slightly earlier in the year over in Jump. So, like we were saying, everything was really close and they had to do something, so this is why this came to be. Let us talk about the extremely cheaply produced episodes. The second episode in the series was when we first noticed it. It was episode 109. It was just atrocious. Bad animation, just cheap, kind of like still frames and stuff on the screen. I don't even know how to describe it. Other than that one episode, what kind of cheap stuff did you notice while we were watching? Really bad looping, really. You could tell they were using like the C&D studios that they would use because everyone looked all flat and not detailed and really awkward movements. A lot of awkward A lot of awkward pacing, a lot of awkward cuts. It was just awkward is the way I describe this whole Absolutely. arc. The one, it's not really looping, it was kind of reused animation over and over, it was Kami and Popo running, and there's this kind of thing where oh, Kami oh, 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 <laughs> kind of pans and then pans back as if he's running in front of Popo and back. And you know what, now that I remember about it, that's like the one thing I remember from watching it on Rising Sun. So <laughs> really? I was like, man, that's so cheesy, just get on with it. Nice. There was a lot of background music from DBZ Movie 1, reused here. That makes sense. Well, of course, a lot of it was reused during the series anyways, but of all the places to use it, this probably makes the most sense. A lot of the dun-dun-dun that they introduced back then, and also the uh, kind of sentimental, not quite happy, but calming ending music that was used at the end of DBZ Movie 1, used in the exact same place in this saga. So it's kind of like a nice tossback. Not nice tossbacks, the far too abundant flashbacks. Like, actual flashbacks. Including one instrumental-only flashback that seemed to go for 20 minutes. I think it bugged you more than it bugged me. Really? I liked it because it took up time. <laughs> it's like, yay, at least movie one was good. I'll watch this stuff. Gotcha. Well, I did not enjoy it. I guess let's talk about the story a little bit. Like I said, we're not going to give you a synopsis, but we'll talk about certain story elements. Something you really brought up, Mary, was no sense of impending doom. Tell me what you meant by this. I never really felt like there was any huge threat at any given time other than the whole um, Aquamist turning the world into evil people. I felt that was a strong element. I thought that was pretty unique. But Garlic Jr. as a villain and his henchmen, I was like, who the hell cares? These people just came back from fighting Frieza. Krillin got impaled and exploded. Piccolo got pretty damn beat up. I think Gohan remained the most unscathed, but watching all that shit go down probably traumatized him a bit. And this guy should have been nothing to them. It was just really poorly balanced compared to what they had just gone through, and I found it hard to believe that they would stand there in shock for nine episodes straight, like, oh my gosh. Over and over in the series, I mean, this is something that's quite a huge detriment to Dragon Ball for a lot of people, is that it's just stronger and stronger villains, and then they always have to overcome them. But in this particular case. There there was nothing strong about them. It just seemed like, really, after Frieza, 
And I know one of my big deals was you can't top the henchmen in DBZ movie one. They ripped swords out of themselves. These guys kind of buffed up a little bit. Fuck that. I want swords ripping out of skin again. That was amazing. That was cool. It was awesome. This is actually kind of timely coming off of the manga volume we just read where Kami at the very end of the 23rd Tenkaichi Budokai offered the throne of Kami to Goku. Here again, Kami is very willing to give up the throne. He's like, uh, I gotta go protect shit. Um, I'm done. I think he just wants an early retirement. He seems very lazy. I don't know if it's out of character, if it's in character, because we get so little of him over you know the entire run of the series, and then he's gone in the early cell arc anyways, so we don't know a whole lot about him. But to me, I don't know, I guess I just assume this is out of character, but perhaps it is in character for him. A couple nice tossbacks. There were a few things. Mary, one thing you noticed was Piccolo growing in size. That was cool. I really liked that. It was one of the few things I really liked, but I wished... He had gone bigger. <laughs> uh, it was a nice toss back. Yeah, definitely. They tried to do that in failure, and I enjoy that. Like the episode where very early on the Saiyajin arc, well, kind of in the middle of the Saiyajin arc, they go back and fight the uh, the ancient, the illusion Saiyajin, and everyone gets to use their attacks. So we get the Kikoho, we get the Sokidan, all that kind of stuff. So Toei tries, especially in the movies, DBZ Movie 3, for example, everyone gets their own individual scene to show off their attack. I feel like they tried to do that a little bit in this arc. Except the part that you pointed out where Piccolo made the smallest Makan Kusapo that you've ever noticed. <laughs> yes. It was like a pencil. Yes, it was so tiny. It's like, I'm not really afraid of that. I kind of flick it away with my finger. And he put no effort into it. No. It was like, no. Tell me what you thought about their attempting to expand upon the mythology a little bit, kind of with the god hierarchy, especially, if, well, exclusively with Earth. I kind of felt like they were contradicting themselves as far as, like, the demon clan was concerned. Well, I don't even want to get into that just yet. Oh. Because that's a big thing I want want to talk oh, about. okay. I'm talking when Kami and Popo went down into that kind of the heavenly realm. Oh, okay. They I thought- try to spread the water. I thought that was cool, but it was too long be- only because of the running around <laughs> very, garbage very and Kami constantly getting zapped. Like, they could have easily condensed that to just one episode instead of the three episodes that I think it took. Mm-hmm. But I think as a whole, if it was just shorter, I would have really, really liked the concept a lot because they never really talk about that sort of thing. I agree. All we know, and this is almost entirely from movie one where we got a little bit of backstory with Kami and Garla competing for the throne, but we also know that Kami had to kind of Expunge that evil from within. Well, he wasn't even Kami at that point. He was the child of Katats. Expunge the evil within him to be even considered for the throne. So we know a little bit. We know there was someone there previously. Probably wasn't Namekian. It was just some dude. But I, I agree with you. If it was shorter and maybe gave us a little more information, that could have been really, really intriguing because we get so little of it. And once we get to kind of Kaio and especially the Kaioshin, Earth is almost irrelevant. I mean, it makes sense. The Earth is irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. But it's our planet. I I like knowing about that kind of stuff. And it just seems half-assed. I I don't know. I think due to the whole arc being half-assed, it couldn't be anything more than half-assed. Definitely. Points for trying to think things through a little bit. They're trying to do something original there, I thought. Let's take it back to the Mazoku. Okay. Uh, I don't know what to say about it. It seemed to come out of left field and just not make sense with what's been set as a precedent in the series already. As far as we know, the Mazuku is kind of Piccolo Daimao's underling's clan. 
like his demons. And it almost seems like there's a broader scale of a demon clan that he was maybe then a part of, but that doesn't make sense. And not only that, but they took up a whole planet, the Machio planet. Right. It's like, what? They have their own planet now? Okay. It may, why bring back this term? Because it's such an exclusive term, so specifically applied to Piccolo Daimo, you know, symbol, tambourine, etc. And maybe if only in the TV series when he was like, everyone join my clan and everyone be evil. And they had the kids, <laughs> the kids in the three Ma symbols. I, I absolutely love that joke. Oh man, that was awesome. That but they're like, oh, we're the Mazoku now. And this just doesn't make any sense with what's been established as the Mazoku. I mean, again, just think of it, okay, it's filler, it doesn't count, you know? Well, absolutely. Take a deep breath. <laughs> it's okay, everything's gonna be alright. I'm not actually agitated. Oh, no, it. no, no. I just mean overall. Right. Like, but I, I every time like you start, that. not you, a general you. Yes. Every time you start thinking, well, wait, that doesn't make any sense. They can't do that. It's just like, oh, wait a minute. No, I guess I can let that slide. They're doing what they can because it's just filler. Another thing that really we should talk about, we, we can't ignore, is the complete lack of Goku. He is not in here at all. I like it. Well, <laughs> I don't know why. Well, let's talk about some other times that they've tried to do this, mainly in the movies. If you think about DBZ Movie 9, it was Gohan's show. Movie 10, he shows up at the very end to save the day. Movie 11, he shows up at the very end. He's just eating. He's like, oh, Broly's down in hell, blah, 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 blah. So Toei seems like they want to do some stuff without Goku. That seems maybe that was kind of some story elements they really wanted to explore. Well, plus How- so many characters. Why not get rid of Goku Absolutely. for a little bit? So how did it work here? What did you think about the lack of Goku here, the other characters, and how that worked? And there's one specific one we'll get to. That'll kind of be the next conversation. But everyone that we kind of saw doing main things, lack of Goku, how did this work for you? Okay, I came uh, across an epiphany lately. Okay. And that is, I do not like DBZ Goku. I think it's because I'm reading the manga right now, and you know, young Goku in Dragon Ball is cute and fun and stupid, but the second we get to that 23rd Budokai, I feel like there is little to no more character development for Goku, and he simply does not interest me. So having him out of the picture really doesn't bother me. Even though it did focus on, you know, the subcast, something that I realized halfway through watching the Garlic Jr. arc was that we had Gohan, Krillin, and Piccolo. The same three that we have Finding the Saijin. Yes. And I liked it and I didn't like it because it's like, well, I've already seen this pair of three. Let's mix it up a little bit and throw in, why couldn't we have someone else? But then when you think about it, what's left of the characters in well, the show- Well, I actually said, where the hell is Tenshin Han during right. all this? I hate to say, but those three are probably the most competent now. Oh, absolutely. Well, I- Which is argue, probably why they grouped them together. I'd argue that Tenshin Han is much more competent than Kudu did, I don't but... think, I don't know, he's not much of a team player anymore. That That is very true as well. So I thought it was cool. It's like, yes, these are probably the three strongest remaining people, but we've already seen these three in action before. So I feel Mm -hmm. like it wasn't that original. And Gohan was just as much as a... A pansy-ass pansy. Yes, an indecisive pansy-ass pansy as he was back then. It was like, Gohan, do this. We just stand there. Gohan, do this. Stand there. It kind of was the late Saiyajin arc all over again. Only bad. With a returning villain. We've seen this before. And they're only nominally stronger at this point. And weren't showing it. Yeah. 
felt like they should have been much stronger and they really didn't show it that much. Well, we already talked about that, how we felt about that. Do you want to turn it over to a little bit of Vegeta discussion here? I guess so. All right. I felt like they were throwing us a bone. Like, hey, you can't have Goku, but hey, here's Vegeta. And Vegeta would do the same thing in every appearance that he was in. And again, part of me was pissed off by that. And the other part of me was like, yay, it's Vegeta doing Vegeta things and being badass. You know why I kind of liked those scenes was because I felt they were relevant to the actual story at hand. Like the underlying story that should be happening behind the scenes, ignoring what's going on with Garlic Jr. Yes, Goku is out there somewhere. And yes, Vegeta would be thoroughly disgusted with himself in trying to do something about it. And this isn't something we really got to see in the manga. So it was kind of nice getting little bits and pieces of that. And of course, I loved his destruction of Apul's home planet. Oh, yes. All those poor little Apul's. But I felt like despite all those appearances, he didn't really move forward with anything. I think it was just fan pandering. Yeah, but I liked it. I totally ate it up. Do you think he was hallucinating when he saw Goku down on that planet and like this big rock came towards him? I think uh, he has a little bit too much Goku on the mind. I, I think so, too. Because for all we know, Goku's just in a spaceship somewhere. He's flying. He's not actually like chasing down Vegeta and trying to, I, I don't know, like provoke him almost it would seem that's kind of weird well we know where goku is well that's actually we'll find out well he was there for a little bit he was probably elsewhere at some other points doing other goku things do you have anything else you want to say about the the story and story elements and any other things that happened i have some questions i want to ask maybe those will tie in well how about the other filler within the filler the filler within the filler what is that talking about Marin. Oh, we're going to get to her. Okay. In fact, she exclusively consists of my miscellaneous... Well, I should say my miscellaneous section exclusively consists of her. You ruined it. So pretend you didn't hear that. Let's move on to questions. Mary, I will ask you questions. Oh, boy. And you will answer them for me. Yes, interview. Has Gohan ever actually met Kamisama or Mr. Popo? My memory's not the best, but I'm inclined to say no. I'm pretty sure he has not. I mean, if we go through the Saiyajin arc, Gohan stayed down with Pick and train the whole time. As soon as that's over, they bust off to Namek. They come back. Gohan stays and trains, you know, with everyone waiting for the Jinzo Negen. And then the cell stuff happens and Piccolo runs up and absorbs Kami. So really, this you might almost call an inconsistency, although it's so irrelevant, it doesn't really affect anything. Gohan probably hasn't ever met Kami-sama. He would have met Popo very much later on when, especially when him and Goku were training in the room of Spirit and Time. Then, you know, they're hanging out up there and Popo's showing him around and stuff. But I, I just noticed, like, hey, I don't think he's ever met Kami-sama before. So, Mary, next question. So, the dead zone closes when someone goes in it? Is it anyone or is it just garlic? <laughs> then why would he use it if it, if the only way to close it is to throw himself in it? In there, I guess. So would it suck everyone in, or if maybe it has some kind of maximum capacity? <laughs> I got too many occupants closed. I don't too think much debris and people. There's an answer to this question, so we'll move on to my next question. So why didn't Piccolo get infected? Was it because he was already a demon? I don't know. (laughs) I didn't get that. I'm kind of answering my own question. I mean, to spoil it, Piccolo was faking the whole time when he was quote-unquote infected with the aqua mist through the bites and etc. It seemed like 
a couple times they were about to explain. I think an episode even ended where they were about to explain it. And then they start the next episode with almost five minutes of recapping the exact same scenes and dialogue from the previous episode. And again, they almost explain it. And then Piccolo never actually says why he was fine the whole time. So my theory is that he was already a demon, so he just kind of conveniently... But he's not a demon. He's an Amekian. That's my whole thing. They can't seem to decide whether or not they're demons going by the Dragon Ball mythology you're going with Toriyama's retconning and making them Namekians. Well, he's uh, he's absorbed Nail at this point, but he's still very much a demon. He was the perfect clone offspring of Piccolo Daimo, so... And that was a demonic, as I said, expunging from... He's still Namekian? Well, yeah, I suppose so. I guess that's... It's all depending on what have. origin story you want to believe in. I suppose so. So, uh, my other question, why did all the dead Kami not want him there? Did they not love the earth and wanted to help? The explanation was like, it's a holy heavenly realm and you can't go there. Yeah, I think that's as far as you can take that one. I didn't like that. I didn't like that either. It's like, they should be nice. And no one ever spoke. They're just like, yeah. I don't think they should have spoke. I think at the very end, they should have said something like, like, fuck off. Like, all right, here you go. We'll send you back up. You did good. Like, did Kami pass a test? Maybe. Uh, Maybe. That's what it seems like. Like, if he really went all the way to the end and he was gung-ho about saving everyone, then they would let him spread the water and save everyone. So, I don't know. Am I reading into it? Am I making my own better story than what was presented? Suppose I am. Maybe. That concludes all the questions I had. So, we're going to turn it over to, ooh, a dress. Ooh, a car. Ooh, a house. Marin. Ah, uh, yes. How can we ignore the little chippy here? We need to speak exclusively about her and her role and her character, her interactions. Mary, take it away. I she, got nothing to say. It's she all you. is pure comedy relief, pure and simple. And a comedy relief I don't think we've ever seen in the show. Closest I can think of is Lunch, and that she is very ditzy. But yes. even Lunch has, you know, the counterbalance of her evil self that's just badass. But this girl, Marin, has no redeeming qualities other than boobs, I suppose. And being Krillin's first girlfriend. Oh. She can't even get his name right. <laughs> um, I love that she is a foil to Boma and Chi-Chi. That was a great scene. The Obasan stuff. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Because I can't really tell how old she is. She can't be that much younger than Boma and Chi-Chi, because at this point, they're probably in their mid to late 20s, which would mean Krillin would be as well. Uh, We should probably do the math and know it, but let's not do so and continue. No. Anyway, she's just a slutty skank that's there for our amusement. Did you like her? Did you like having her there? I like to hate her. And I don't think I disliked her being there because it was a break from the crap of the Garlic Jr. stuff. All right. I almost liked seeing the scenes with her in it with uh, Karin and Yajirobe because... It's like, oh, something different. Oh, that was so funny. But yeah, it was something different to look at. What if she actually stuck around? I mean, she did come back in some filler stuff during the Jinzenigen stuff. And that was pretty awful flashback. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. I think she would have no staying power. No. So this was good enough. Yeah. Get her in, get her out. And her getting out was very good. Oh, it was perfect for her character. It mm-hmm. made complete sense. Yep. That was a good filler episode, I have to say. And that's kind of after the garlic stuff happens, but it's at the it's end still of a filler the episode. disc, and it's right before the trunk stuff really starts, so we can consider it kind of part. She was there all throughout garlic, so we should count it. That's all I had written down for this. I should say, we didn't do any additional research. We didn't look up anything in the Daisenshu. We just watched the episodes, and we're like, let's talk about this. Should we summarize why this is not great? You tell me. All right, so... 
I will summarize with okay idea, but lame villain to bring back, weak execution, odd mix of characters to focus on, and just longer than it needs to be. It was the actual garlic material was eight episodes long. It could have been five mm-hmm. at the max. And it might have been slightly interesting to me at that point. I actually like the first two episodes of the arc. Okay. Because I like them bringing in the mist and everyone getting infected and then the introduction of the villains. But then after that, I think it could have been another three episodes. It's kind of interesting. I actually want to look up when the uh, Saiyajin Zizumitsu Keikaku came out because there was mist involved there as well. I think it was. Wait, m- what's the bit of bit of bit of The OVA NES game, Playdia game. Oh, okay. Because there was mist involved there as well. The gas. Yeah, the Death Strong gas. Exactly. Uh, I believe the Playdia games so came out. stole from this filler. <laughs> came out in 94. And the NES game, I think, was maybe a couple of years. Probably very. Uh, I actually don't remember. I, I don't have the internet in front of me, so I can't look it up. <laughs> I'm no, lost internet. without my internet. See what I mean by faking it really well? When I have my site. Actually, I have local pages on my site here on the computer, so I could fake it, but I'm just going to keep talking. So the NES game and the OVA slash strategy guide, the visual guide, and play the games, etc. were a couple years later. So they were stealing ideas, and we've already talked about how many ideas that stole from other things, like the Sufuru and etc. So there you go. That's why it's bad. Well, why do you think it's bad? Everything you said. It was just thoroughly uninteresting and poorly executed. and No sense of doom. Like no, I, said I, I didn't feel anything for anyone at any given time. And so many times I wanted to fall asleep. Yeah. Honestly, it was really, really... Tedious to watch. It was te- It was a chore, and I hate to say that about the show, but these episodes were a chore to watch. I mean, it makes... Our- I think for an interesting conversation and hopefully we can get some good responses from other people on why they like or dislike these particular episodes. But hey, there you go. That's, I think, going to wrap up the topic. You got anything else you want to say? Nope. All right. So we talked about why it's bad. Mary, you have a top five list for us. Mary, your top five list, amazingly enough, is going to be the top five positive aspects about the Garlic Jr. saga. Yes. The only reasons why these series of nine episodes are even remotely worth giving a shot. Okay. Do you have them in order? Do you want me to order them later? How about you just spout out five ideas Okay, we'll five order ideas. them on the site? All right. That works. Okay. So Number what is one five. of the reasons? One of the reasons is we get to see Kami and Popo do some things. Yeah. They might, they might take a bit too too much time to do those things, but they get a bit of screen time. Definitely. Most we've seen of Popo really since Goku's training with him before the 23rd Tenkaichi Budoka. So nice. Alright, so that's one of the reasons. What's another? Zombie evil versions of our favorite characters. <laughs> okay. Like evil Chi-Chi. And we didn't say the funny thing. What's the funny The funny thing, thing that we put in the notebook. You know, it was really funny to us. I don't know if it's going to be funny to anyone well, else. Well, let's, let's I mean, look at the notebook and find all out. Alright. You guys, you can tell us if we actually made it funny or if we're just stupid. I was just confirming when this actually took place because for some reason, maybe I was out of my mind. And I said, post-Namek pre-trunks? Yes, that special time. That special time in every boy's life. When you're attacked by your mom. Alluding to, you know, the chi-chi. One of those stupid things where it's really funny when you're there. Yeah, it was really funny. Are you telling me? And now we're kind of like, that was dumb. What's wrong with us? It was funny because we were quick on our feet. I guess it was funny. Maybe if like you were the cats and you heard us talking. So, Mary, give us another reason that maybe there was a positive aspect of this saga. We got to see Vegeta for a couple minutes. (laughs) Okay. And Vegeta's good. Nice. All right. Do you have another? I have one to close it out with when you inevitably don't remember it. But continue. 
That was what three? You yeah, gotta come was, up with two more. That was three. I know. I I do have one that I want to close with, but all I gotta right. think of another one. You gotta think of another one. Krillin in a suit. Ah, huh? all right. Yeah, it easily amuses me. Mine is the atrocious dub dialogue. Oh man, what doesn't he say something there that was like Mary? It was one of the biggest lines of the day. Was it Mondo cool? No, it's cramping my style. <laughs> Hey, I mean, that, that was a huge oh, thing in fucking 2000. I know, even I was big into that. That was like one of the biggest anti-funimation things Wasn't it like, of the yeah, day. Wasn't my style? Exactly. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, I'll, I will do it across between that dub line for being a huge joke and Krillin in a suit. Cramp of my style was almost up there with like, what the hiffle? I mean, <laughs> it was fucking huge. Cramp my style. <laughs> Oh, man. Awesome. Okay. Stupid. Mary, all right. Wait, so, my, my top thing. What is your last thought of reason that was a positive aspect of the Garlic all right. Jr. saga? The more episodes you watched of Garlic Jr., the closer you got to that last episode where Krillin, you know, proposes to Marin, and, and that episode was just so cute and adorable that it made sitting through the rest of that crap worth it. <laughs> it was a really good episode. And Except totally, for the water stuff. That totally was brutal. You what the episode's actually about. Um, oh, it's Umigame's birthday. Yes. And that was so funny. He's like, thank you, everyone, for being here. And no one actually wanted to be there. So I had to pretend to be happy. He's <laughs> like, oh, no, the turtle. Mary, the reason that you forgot is there was a couple that was attacked, I think, by cats and rats. <laughs> And this man was played by Takashi Kusama. Was he for real? Did you actually look it up? Oh, come on. We recognize him. I, didn't I don't know. I, what am I going to look him up as? Like, man attacked <laughs> by cats? <laughs> With green hair. He's probably credited. <laughs> so we're like, I guess Takashi, because I was hanging out in the studio, getting ready like, to do I'm his episode I'm waiting to soon. be trunks, yeah. but I guess I'll be man attacked by cats. I think that was him that was attacked by the cats and the rats. Maybe it was. It or was just definitely- a lookalike, yes. sound alike. Anyway, so Mary, thank you for your top five list. We're going to take it over to some releases. We're coming to a close with May, so we'll actually do the end of May and early June stuff, because it's all pretty important. I'll uh, start it off here. DBZ Movies 1 and 2 are coming out on Blu-ray and standard DVD from Funimation. This is more of the faux remastered style, but it's important to note that the movies were always intended to be seen made with the idea of cropping the top and the bottom to be widescreen. So uh, that's coming out. The Blu-ray is suggested retail price of $34.98. The DVD is $29.98. Mary, others, there's a lot of other stuff that day on May 27th. What else do we have? Whoa, it's huge. It's DBZ Season 5 box set. That's right. Also in the fake remastered, but not in a good way. It's uh, 50 bucks, but you can find it cheaper elsewhere. Yeah, it's like 35 at Best Buy when it comes out. And, yeah, you, you know, can get some good deals. And for you Spanish-speaking fans, there's uh, volumes 5 and... I'm sorry. There's volumes 7 and 8 of the TV series. These are episodes 19 through 24. They're $13, roughly, each. You gotta do the titles. Come on. I cannot see it from here. Oh. Regresa de la Vida La Loca? No. And La Invasion de los Saiyajin. It was an awful joke. That was terrible. It was. Go back to the beginning of the episode where you're like totally cracking yourself up. (laughs) Cracking myself up now. Ah, yes. Anyway, these are also fake remastered, which kind of sucks. And um, interesting to note that Volume 9 is where the Ultimate Uncut editions were canceled. So let's see what happens. Word. Let's cruise through June because it's coming up. You got to make sure you get your orders in. The 21st century version of Romantiku Ageruyo and Makafushigi Adobencha coming out, performed by Ushio Hashimoto and Hiroki Takahashi, the original artists. These are new versions of the Dragon Ball ending and opening and 
band, a new image song. No, actually, an old image song plus two new image songs, remixes, and an English version of Makafushigi. We Whoa. talked uh, a lot about this when it first came out. You can see a lot of info if you scroll down on the homepage of Daizen Shubi X. It is 1,600 yen, which is essentially $16. CD Japan, Play Asia, all the regular places. Mary, we got Burst Limit coming out in two places on two different days. Break it down for us. So we got Dragon Ball Z Burst Limit in Japan coming out on the PS3 and Xbox 360 on June 5th. It is right now 7,800 yen, which is just about $78. And Play Asia currently has the Japanese version for $74.90. And then five days later on June 10th, the US version comes out on both the PS3 and the Xbox 360 for $60 each. And GameStop, maybe they know, maybe they don't know that they are doing pre-orders that come with a shirt. We know that the American, I guess the US GameStop is doing the t-shirt because that was on their website. Hopefully they'll do that DVD and Blu-ray deal as well. That's the end of releases. We're going to do an email. Mary, we're just going to do one email this week because we've been talking for a bit, but we want to hit up an email. So why don't you read this one here? All right, this was from Malunis. They write, Malunis from the good old US of A here. Hey, everyone. First off, I want to say love the podcast, love the website, love the stuff you all talk about. So praising aside, I have a few questions. And we're just taking the first one because we're special. Okay. In regards to your website's famous Dragon Ball AF prank, what do you think about all the rumors, images, and ideas that have spread since then? Personally, I think it's good when fans can make something really professional and make sure people understand it's purely unofficial fan works and that there's even a forum dedicated to the fan-made side of the series rather than some kind of crazy noobish site making all kinds of ridiculous claims. But anyway, the question here is what you guys think of how people have turned AF into their own personal project. What I think is really important to note is that AF was around for years long before we did our prank. All we did was really kind of inadvertently perpetuate it. Yeah, I think it wasn't inadvertent. Well, it kind of was. Because, I mean, the next day we put up a full disclosure of everything. Yeah, but, but you know how the internet works. You could have known that it would be notorious oh, for years to come. The logo that I created still used in the vast majority of new things that I see. Obviously not Toybull's blog, but I see videos on YouTube. It's like the Budokai 3 opening with my AF logo plastered on it that says AF opening. Really? Have you never seen the Budokai 3 opening and know that's not Dragon Ball AF? Come on. But our opinions on this, how it spread, I, I just want to make sure that people know that AF was around for years long before we did anything with it. What do we think about it since then? We definitely have to mention Toybull's uh, blog and his fan manga. Awesome stuff. It's neat that he or she, we actually don't know, I don't think, has taken elements of all the rumors and has actually made that, except somewhat interesting. It's incredible. There's been a lot of new pages since we talked about it on the podcast. Uh, I actually don't remember what episode that was. A couple episodes back when we talked with Desiree Campbell, who's kind of heading up the project to get the translation out there. And I think it's really neat how something like that has evolved, which kind of pulls it all together and actually makes something interesting and engaging from it. I think that email hits the nail on the head when they say really professional fan-made works. Right. Because this is such a, a 180 from, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. Here's where... Broly with funny looking hair. And oh, oh my oh. god, there's Dragon Ball AF. Whoa! <laughs> At least now people are doing intelligent, creative things with it that isn't just like dopey. Not like slapping two different characters together in Photoshop. Like throwing a fusion vest on Tension Han and making like Yamaha with a fusion vest but with like spiky hair and then crazy shit. 
no, that that's not interesting at all. I never understood why people would make Dragon Ball AF galleries with these atrocious pictures. I, I just don't understand that kind of thing. How does that interest someone? But Someone whatever. who's like really hardcore into the show, I guess. Maybe you're not hardcore enough. I guess. I am not a hardcore enough Dragon Ball fan to understand why someone would make a shitty image gallery of shitty pictures. You just don't get it, Mike. I, I just oh don't God. get it. You're fired. <laughs> really? Yes, I fire you. I would you. love that right now. Please fire me. Mutiny! That's going to be the emails for the week. We have uh, a lot of stuff. A lot of things have been saving up for Julian. Uh, Maluna's had a Japanese question for Julian. Everyone has Japanese questions for Julian. I'm like, oh no! We need Julian back on the show so we can answer all of his questions. Maybe we'll do a catching up on email with the Julian episode in the near future. That'll be his punishment. That will be his punishment. That's what he gets. Mary, if you have questions, comments, suggestions, all that kind of good stuff, where do you send them over to? You can send them to podcast at DiZX.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com. Word. That's going to wrap up the episode. Whoa. We made it through the Garlic Junior And lived to tell about it. We did live to tell it, although I could probably keel over right now. And then the show would never get edited. And you've never heard this. So. You owe it to the people. All right. To get this out there on the internet. I'll stay alive long enough to put out this episode. You Thank you, Mike. You're need... a saint. I know. I'm Look so at how great. you sacrificed your precious time. And, I did. And this is what I want to hear. I want to hear people thanking I'm me. here to stroke your ego. Thank you for sitting through the Garlic Jr. arc, a task that no one should have to do. It, it's torture. It is torture. And I did it for you. You, the listener. And you, the reader, you, the visitor. I sacrificed, let's see, how many episodes was it? We got some laughs. That's just about three hours that I will never get back. You brought it on yourself. I did. I actually suggested it and Mary resisted it. Because Mike's a glutton for punishment. I am. That's why I do this show, because I like punishing myself with the series that I love so much. How does that work? Let's stop before I realize that I don't like Dragon Ball anymore. Oh, I love it. That's why I keep doing this. Mary, let's say goodbye to you. Okay, bye to me. Bye to you, Temple of Trunks. I guess if you want to plug it, you can. Yeah, sure. If you want to see, you know, funny, weird things about Trunks. From when you were 16. And, you know, my boss calls it um, when he's making fun of me. He's like, that side of yours, um, the trunk full of monkeys. Anyway, if you want to go to Trunks, <laughs> to her, her, if you want to go to Trunk Full of Monkeys, go to www.temploterunks.com. I think you spelled that right. Yes. Nice. Well, that's you. Yeah. Yep. And then there's you. There is me and Julian, although Julian hasn't done anything on the site in so long. I'm thinking about taking his name off. <gasps> no! I mean, so he cool. hasn't even been on the podcast. What the fuck is his name there for? I'm doing all the work. He's doing your offshore correspondence. Don't you forget that. He's working harder than all of us. <laughs> That's very true. Probably is. I just don't know it. Unless he's still translating Sailor Moon instead of doing stuff for me. I, I don't know. Sailor Moon? Julian, what are you doing? Tell me. What, have you been working on anything? You need to talk to the people. Julian, I actually don't know if you're listening to this or if you've caught up on like the month and a half you've missed. Julian, your task is to ask the Japanese public what they think about the live action movie. We've asked you to do this before. We still don't have an answer. Gotta tell us. Maybe he needs a public first. He needs new students to, you know, ask. true. I don't care about this kids. I want to know what the adults who grew up with it. Get to work. Uh, yeah, so Julian and myself, we can be found at dizenjuex www.daizex.com This has been episode 129 of Dizen the podcast. The, uh, the episode that will go down in infamy is the episode that killed me. (laughs) 
guy. It wasn't the episode where Jeff killed me. It was Garlic <laughs> Jr. that killed me. That finally didn't It's going to be like that notorious episode in like the behind the music style. And then there was episode 129. We should totally do Daisenju Reacts behind the music. Yeah, dude. Behind the podcast. You know, it would, it would actually be kind of interesting if we went all the way back to 1998. I don't know if I can remember that long ago. I couldn't. I totally wouldn't be able to. Maybe other people would. There have been people that have been with us for that long. We could do all sorts of interviews. Caster could tell his stories. That'd be hilarious. We should totally do that. Before we give up for good, whenever that is, we will do Daisenchu EX behind the thing, site. Behind the entity that is whatever. Behind the interwebs. <laughs> Oh, God, we need to be done. I'm totally done. We're talking like baby talk now. The bird that is the web. I thought it was kind of funny. Only because I so rarely speak internet speak. I think it's funny when I actually do. But I also think And then I'm you hilarious. yell at other people when they do. I know, I totally You're like, do. did you just fucking say, oh, no's? <laughs> like I did this episode? Oh, no's. I'm such a hypocrite, but it's fantastic because I'm allowed to be. Because that's what Vegito EX is all about. Coming down on other people for speaking and typing improperly. When... Ever so slightly allowing himself to do- We're done with this episode. Yes. That's it. That was Enjoy EX. Uh, that was episode 129. We will see you next week for episode 130. Can you believe we've been doing this for 130 weeks? Actually, a couple of weeks longer. Probably like 132, 133. Mary's yawning. That was such garbled garbage. I know. So that was it. The end. Bye, Mary, y'all. Goodbye. Bye. Julie, goodbye. Mike, goodbye. Yeah. My name's Mike Fujito EX, and I gotta edit this monstrosity. 大前週 EX